This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that doesn't like feeling contained. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 34 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are talking about easy potted plants. Before we jump into it today, I want to say it is a beautiful day, so happy fall to you. I'm really enjoying this fall weather and it's absolutely gorgeous. Today, uh, you might already have noticed from the background noise that I'm not in my usual high-tech recording studio, aka my car. I guess I was feeling a little weird uh, and I, ne- I needed a break from the car recording. No, the reality is actually, um, so I have the wonderful opportunity where our house is not quite as noisy as it usually is as the boys are out of the house <laughs> right now. And uh, it was just so beautiful. I decided uh, I was going to record a episode from our back deck. And so I am enjoying the fall weather. I hope you can kind of get a little taste of all the sounds and beauty from our backyard. Uh, so you might hear the insects buzzing along. Uh, we haven't had a huge head, heavy frost yet, so we still have the insects here, uh, birds flying around. It's a little bit of a windy day, so hopefully the recording comes out okay. And I just saw a eastern bluebird, which is a rare sight around here. So I'm really excited to be outside right now and just enjoy the weather. So I hope you enjoy it with me as we talk about today's topic. And before that too, I want to jump in and share today's favorite plant. So the favorite plant of the day today is the Christmas fern. And the Latin name for this one is quite a mouthful. It's Polystichum acrosticoides. The Christmas fern is a North American native, and it's also naturalized in Europe at this stage. So it was introduced to Europe a while ago, and and it's kind of escaped cultivation and now part of the European woodland, apparently. Now, the reason I've selected this plant today, it is actually one I don't yet currently have in our landscape, but it is an awesome plant, and it will be here soon in our potted plants. So it fits with today's theme of the show of potted plants. This, The reason I've selected this fern is it's actually an evergreen fern, And it does well in dry to medium moisture. So that's a huge advantage for where we we intend to put this fern. And in a pot, uh, it grows about one to two feet tall and the same width, so one to two feet wide. Uh, Like I said, it prefers dry to medium moisture. So unlike many ferns that grow in a moister soil uh, that doesn't like to dry out, this fern can handle that drier soil uh, and it doesn't need the, the bog-like conditions that many ferns grow in. It enjoys part shade to full shade and medium to high fertility. Now, if you guys live, uh, if you're listening to this and you live on the west coast, so western part of the United States, this isn't necessarily a native fern to your region. And while it may do well in a potted plant for you, you could also consider the western sword fern, which is a 
relative of the Christmas fern. So the Latin name for the western sword fern is Polystichum munitum. And this is a very similar plant. It's an evergreen plant. It doesn't enjoy the very hot conditions all the time, but this is this <laughs> that said, it's actually native from from the southern regions of Alaska all the way along the Pacific coast down to the southern stretches of California. So it's still native to that whole stretch of, of area there. And it also kind of creeps across the Rockies in a few parts as well. So it's a fern you could consider if you want to stick with something that's native to your region. So consider that, especially if you're going into a pot. This it would be a good fern that could uh, stay green most of the year and uh, it gives you a lot of beauty in a potted plant. It also grows well in soil, uh, especially in your semi-shade areas that are a little bit dry, don't get too bogged down. You don't want wet soils for this plant, and it provides a lot of beauty. It's a clumping fern, so there are some ferns that spread vigorously in certain areas, and this is one that's more of a clumping growth habit, so um, it's good for erosion-prone areas as well, and you can kind of plant it in clumps to help prevent erosion or stabilize a bank if you have maybe a hillside that needs a little bit of help. Okay, so let's jump right in and talk about how to have easy potted plants. Here's a quick outline for today's show. So we're going to talk about the best plants for your pots, how to have good design with potted plants, the right pot and the right space for that pot, the best type of planter you can use, good locations for potted plants, and what we do in our yard with potted plants. So what are the best plants for potting in your yard for good landscape, good curb appeal, good low maintenance plants? So that's the biggest thing when it comes to potted plants. Potted plants, your typical potted plant can just be tons of work because you have to continually water it and tend to it to make sure your plant has sufficient moisture and is growing adequately in a you know, a smaller container than growing out in your typical garden setting. So it takes a lot more tending and maintenance. And if you live a busy lifestyle like we do, often these pots get forgotten. Uh, you can't water them frequently enough. And so you end up with, you know, withered plants or whatever, a lot of spots or a lot of disease issues or something like that due to your plants being stressed out from uh, poor growing conditions. So how do we get the right plants? Well, I'm not going to be talking specifically about plants or putting together a plant list here in the show for you. Uh, what I'll do is I'll provide a link to some suggestions for you so you can check that out. But the, the right plant for your pot is a highly specific thing. So instead of understanding a list of plants that work best for potting, Instead, what I want us to understand is what plant is best adapted to the specific condition where you intend to put this pot. So where you put the pot, what type of pot you have, and the, all those conditions are very important uh, c compared to the actual plant that fits broadly across all those things. So what am I talking about specifically here? Well, let's say you have a pot that you want to put on your front porch and a pot that you want to put on your back porch. Well, those are two very different areas because most likely they will receive very different sun exposure, and that's a big thing. So what is the sun exposure and other specific requirements of that pot and what will affect it and how it grows? So first, 
you do want to select plants that are adaptable to a wide range of water conditions because most likely it will at some point be well watered and at other points it might be a little dry. So you want to make sure that whatever plant you select, unless you're uh, designing a specific pot for it that can keep its specific water requirements, uh, you want it to be adaptable to a wide range of conditions. So that's the first filter you want to check for is a, a plant that can withstand both dry soil and moist soil. Okay, so uh, that's important. So your typical plants, you know, most plants, most garden plants, uh, they say they were, they prefer um, well-drained soils, right? So what the heck is a well-drained soil? Well, that's basically a soil that is kind of sandy, has average moisture, but drains out pretty quickly so it doesn't get bogged down. And that's pretty tough for uh, keeping that maintained moisture. So you want to check out for plants that can withstand. Uh, it, they might still live in a well-drained soil, but can withstand dry conditions and moist conditions. Okay, so that's really important. Now, I mentioned sun already. So you want to know the specific sun requirements of your space before you go looking for plants. And that's really important. So we'll be putting in some new planters on our front porch. They get pretty strong morning sun, uh, especially over the course of the winter. Uh, it gets pretty strong sun all the way through. But in the summertime, it's shaded from afternoon sun and then in the evening sun as well. So it gets basically morning sun and then that's about it. So once it starts to heat up during the day, it's not being pounded by sunlight and heated up as well. Now, if we brought those planters about six feet forward to frame our walkway, then it's a very, very different exposure because then it's getting full sun all day throughout the midsummer, and that's a different plant that we would need to put in that space. So that's an example where sun, the specific sun requirements of your pot, not your general area, is very important. And so the, the plant that we would put in the pot right next to our front door on the porch is a very different plant that requires morning sun and that's it. Or can or another way to put that is can tolerate morning sun and that's it. And then maybe prefers shade the rest of the day, especially during hot times, is a much different plant than the plant that you would put in the pot that's sitting six feet forward. So very close, six feet forward in full sun conditions, midsummer, you know, 90 plus degree weather and, and needs to be able to withstand that, that beating sun. Okay. So after you get the right sun for your space, you want to have the appropriate soil. And this is where the appropriate soil is not necessarily the soil of your region. You know, mostly, most of the time here on this podcast, I talk about making sure you have the right plants for your soil instead of amending your soil to fit the plant that you want. And the reason for that is it's very difficult to maintain an amended soil condition to keep your plants happy and healthy in the ground. Now, when it comes to your potted plants, this is a very different story because what you can do is you can create a specific soil that fits in your pot and it's a, you know, it's a micro habitat for that plant. So here's where you can kind of branch out from the normal plants you're able to grow in your space as long as they fit the climate requirements and you know the moisture and the sunlight requirements you can branch out on the soil requirements so say you have low fertility soil and uh, pretty densely compacted soil right so poor soils let's just say poorly draining soils as well well if you wanted a plant that grows more in a uh, high fertility soil that's well drained you could do that here as long as again it fits the other conditions that you need 
And so this allows you to have a little bit more freedom when it comes to soil requirements. And so you make sure you understand the soil requirements of the plant that you want that fits the other conditions we just talked about. And then you create the soil mix that fits the needs of that plant. So that's pretty cool. Next things, these are more suggestions, but consider having a year-round hardiness to your potted plant, especially for larger potted plants. So if you want a plant that's more of like an accent plant for the whole year, consider what's the interest all year round. So maybe consider something that's evergreen, or maybe consider something that at least has good structure uh, with the dead plant material during the the drier or colder part of the year when it goes dormant. So what's the hardiness of the plant or alternatively, what's the interest of the plant year round? So, uh, and this could be plants as well. So, you know, you're not necessarily limited to one plant in your pot you might have multiple plants that go together. And so how do you create an interesting potted plant for as long as possible during the year or alternatively for as long as you want that potted plant to be there for the year? And likewise, for next year, you know, what's the, the best plants you can get with the least amount of work so you don't have to do this all over again next year? So there's kind of two frames of mind here. One is you work with perennial plants that can survive in that planter as long as possible. Or alternatively, which is more common, you could have planters that you redo every year, but then you let it last the whole season. So you only have to maintain it one time. And that's it. And that's really common, actually, uh, is is your annual type plantings in the planter. So if that's the way you want to go, there's a lot more material out there for you already. Uh, and there's a lot more availability of different types of plants you could put in there. However, the perennial plants long term are a lot less work and can also give you some great beauty. So kind of consider what your options are there. OK, so that's enough about uh, describing the specific plants to go in your space Let's kind of segue a little bit more into design preferences, which we just started to talk about with some of the, you know, year-round hardiness and interest of the plant. But let's get more into more design stuff of how to design your potted plant, where to put it, that sort of thing. So when it comes to design preferences, there's a pretty common way to talk about this. And so you might hear on certain garden shows or whatever, they talk about a thriller, a spiller, and a filler. And what they mean here is, generally speaking, when people design potted plantings for a space, so this could be a window box, it could be a front porch planter, it could be a deck patio planter, whatever it is, or it could be a little hanging basket. If you look, uh, you go walk to Home Depot and you see those like pre-planted hanging baskets. This is a great example. A lot of times they'll, they'll follow this kind of design process. So the thriller is the the plant that kind of attracts your eye or whatever. It, it's a little bit more of a structure plant. The spiller is a plant that kind of creeps along and ends up spilling over the edge of the basket. So it looks kind of like it creates like a flow across the basket, right? And a little bit of a cascade or a waterfall over the side of the basket. And then you have your filler, which is something that kind of just fills in the extra space. It might still add some attractiveness and color, but it fills in the rest of the space in that pot. So that's kind of the the typical design process for a potted planting. And it works really well. So if that's something, if you're not big into design and stuff and you just want to follow uh, a preset design process, 
I recommend you kind of look into that. And you, so you could consider three plants, one that kind of creeps a little bit. Uh, so like creeping phlox is a great example, as long as it fits the conditions that you need for your space. Uh, so you could put in some creeping phlox, which is uh, phlox stolonifera, or moss phlox is a very similar one, which is phlox subulata. And so those are two beautiful phlox uh, plants that kind of creep along. They fill a nice, low-growing, uh, dense mat, and they kind of spill over as they grow out and spread out. And so that could be your spiller. Your thriller could be a nice little um, grass or something. It could be the fern we just talked about, Christmas fern. Um, and then a filler is another plant that you could kind of put in there to fill in the space. So that's just an example. Um, I don't have a filler, uh, example right now off the top of my head. So, um, but that's an example of just a simple design you could put together. Again, making sure that the plants you select are good for the, the space you need. Now, just the example I gave, there is a little bit of a conflict there because generally speaking, Phlox prefers a sunnier location. Whereas uh, the ferns, the Christmas fern, prefers a shadier location. So you need to select plants that match together well with the conditions you have, especially the sun requirements, okay? So so you got to make sure that the plants you're selecting have the same growth requirements or very similar growth, growth requirements. Uh, you also want to j- double check, do they look good together? Because some plants just don't look right together, you know? And so that's up to you, and you have to l- use a little bit of judgment there that, you know, that I can't coach that specifically. Um, but just, you know, when you take a look at both plants, uh, especially if you're at the nursery about to buy them, do they actually look good together? That's something to consider. Next, with the design piece, uh, make sure the structure of the area you're you're putting the pot in matches the uh, pot itself and also make sure the structure of the planting matches the space you're in so if you think about your plant if you're putting a tiny little pot in a in the middle of a patio it's not going to look right right so you have to match the space to the planting and the pot Next, make sure you get a good pot, right? Don't get just the cheapest pot you can find or the easiest pot that is available. Just check around. Make sure it's something that looks nice, that matches the architecture of your space or matches the style of your space, and then it's not going to stick out unless you're looking for an accent pot that you want it to pop. But again, you still need to make sure it matches the space properly, even if it's kind of a a more uh, striking pot. So you wouldn't want you know, a super fancy ornate looking pot in a more uh, typical backyard design because it just would look out of place, okay? Next, if you're looking at multiple potted plants, which usually if you have one, you kind of want to have more, I'll be honest, because it looks a little better. So when you're looking in a more formal space, you look at symmetrical or paired designs. So where there's one, you want two, for example, or... You could get away with just one pot if it's meant to be like an accent in a garden setting as a space. So if it's actually in the garden uh, and you're using it there, you might get away with just using one pot, especially if it fits in the space properly. So, for example, if it's right in the middle of two windows in your front yard planting. Okay, now the other thing is you can consider uh, different pot styles or colors or sizes in a grouped potted setting as opposed to the same pot but still again you want to make sure they match 
somewhat. They could be different colors, but they still need to just look like they go together. You don't want them to totally clash, okay? And and likewise, if you're doing paired pottings, of course, uh, you want to make sure they match in, in their size, their color, or whatever, in a more formal design. And likewise, you want to make sure if you have, let's say you have a cascade of pots coming down your front porch steps, and you want a few different sizes, well, you still want to make sure somewhat that the style or or, or color or whatever matches somewhat. So you want to make sure there's a little bit of cohesiveness to it. Okay. Next, you want to set the pots in the right place. And so we're going to figure out how to do that now. So how do you match your pot and your plant to the space you're in or the space you're considering? First, you want to fit the structure and the intent of the design. And that's very, that's very nebulous, I know. It's not descriptive, not helpful at all, right? Well, it kind of is. And the reason for that is is we're talking about design here. And design is very difficult to teach or to talk about without just getting practice and experience. And that's the tough part when it comes to DIY projects is you still need to kind of consider what's a good design and what's not such a good design. So think about... Uh, a few examples here. So if we're talking about a front porch, generally speaking, a front porch is one of the more formal spaces in any setting. So when you're talking about your house, it's the welcoming space. Uh, it's generally a more symmetrical or rectangular space, right? And and it's kind of just like the formal welcoming space. It's not the back door, right? So it's a more formal welcoming space for your home. And so because of that, Formal design generally matches your front door very well. And this doesn't have to be, you know, beautiful, ornate, classical design. What I'm talking about is just symmetry. Works really well in this space, especially if you have a rectangular porch or if you have porch pillars uh, or, you know, a, a stairwell right in the center of your front porch. Those things add to a formal design really well or match with a formal design really well. And likewise, the pot you use in that space and how you use pots in that space uh, can really add or take away from that space. And so with a front porch, a lot of times you can think of tall, symmetrical plantings. So taller pots uh, that border a door, for example. So your door is a very vertical structure. So by we talked about in previous episodes with uh, your front garden of how to transition from your your architecture of your house to the to the flat organic space of your landscape. And one way to do that, and one way to begin that transition, is using tall columnar type plantings, right? And so, likewise, with your front door, you can also do that, where you can add some tall symmetrical pots uh, with um, kind of vertical structure plants as well that go in those to add some verticality and symmetry uh, and to frame your front door or your front porch and and kind of blend it down and transition it into the landscape, right? So just like I mentioned in the previous episode, how your welcome mat is like a transition from your interior of your home to the exterior, right? It's it's like a carpet for your front porch, right? Well, likewise, potted plants on your front porch serve as a transition between the, the organic garden space of your front yard, your lawn, your garden to the built structure of your home. And so pots are a great transition for that. And they're also a great design accent. So that's an, that's an example, like I mentioned earlier, of, of how to 
fit the structure and intent of the space. So let's talk about a few more suggestions. So next, consider something like your windows. So if you want some window boxes around your home, whether it's the front or the back, um, with window boxes, you're generally talking about very horizontal type plantings because your window box is very rectangular, horizontal type thing. And you're also talking about plants that grow low, provide a nice little accent and potentially spill over that box to kind of to spill down towards the landscape or towards the ground. And so that's an example of fitting the right structure to the space you're talking about. You don't want tall, tall plants growing right in front of your window because that kind of negates the purpose of having windows, right? So, uh, so that's an example of what you can do with your windows. What about a big, huge open space, but you just feel like you maybe want some potted plants there? Well, of course, you would want something that has bigger and broader plants and pots in that space. So take, for example, if you go to a, a public setting and you look at like a public um, gathering space that's in like a shopping area, for example. So like an open, um, an open mall, right? So in those open mall areas, a lot of times what you'll see is these giant planters. They're not these tiny little things that just kind of are placed around. They're big, giant planters that really fill the space, that really draw the eye in. And they usually have some pretty catchy plants that provide some good structure. So that's a great example of making sure you fit the planter to the space. And uh, conversely, with small spaces, you want to make sure your accent is smaller. And sometimes, a lot of times, a a smaller plant doesn't mean it has to be this stinky little thing. It could be a tall plant that's very vertical, so it has a lot of columnar uh, space usage as opposed to a horizontal space usage. So you can still have larger plants in this area, but you want to just utilize the vertical space that's available as opposed to the restricted horizontal space for that small space. Okay, so now let's talk about some planter types. So the best types of planters... It pretty much to me, in my opinion, hands down, the best type of planter to have is a self-watering planter. Okay, now this isn't like some crazy robotic thing. It just uses simple uh, mechanics to, a very simple design to have a reservoir that continually feeds water into your planting pot. And that's it. So it's usually what what you have is you have a planter that from the outside looks pretty much the same as any other planter. So you can have any design you want from the exterior, but on the interior, what you have is the bottom section of the planter is a reservoir for storing water. And that reservoir then feeds water up into the potted plant area that is just the same as any other potted plant. So how it works is there's a a wicking system that wicks water from the reservoir into the soil area to maintain consistent moisture in your pot. So what this means for you is less frequent watering where you just add more water at one time where you're not flooding the plant and the plant has consistent moisture over a longer period of time and you can just relax and enjoy your plants. And you don't have to worry about, oh, is my plant watered enough, right? So this is an awesome thing. I feel like there's no drawbacks to having a self-watering planter. There are links I have shared in the resources for the show notes here. So you go to ely.how slash episode 34, so episode 34. And there I have 
a bunch of links on one, how to do it yourself. So you can use any pot that you like, add a self-watering system to it for pretty inexpensively, and it looks nice. Or uh, I also have a couple links for where you can just go and buy one of these as well. Now, of course, a self-watering planter, generally speaking, is a little bit more expensive than your typical planter that you just buy at Home Depot. Home Depot does have some options. So like Lowe's, Home Depot, your big box stores, they do have some options for what they call self-watering planters. I don't like them as much because they're they're still pretty limited in their capacity. So I have some links to some good ones that are uh, both include window boxes as well as uh, your typical planting pot. Okay, so check the links for resources and So you can either do this yourself, which is pretty easy. It's a pretty easy project and pretty inexpensive to do it to whatever pot you want. Or you can, if you don't want to spend the time doing the work and you still want a beautiful, easy planter, I have a couple links for you there too. So ely.how slash episode 34. Okay. Now I just want to share a little bit before we wrap up on how we use our potted plants in our landscape, and also other places that you could put potted plants that we might consider in the future. For us, right now, we actually, right now we don't have any potted plants in our landscape at the time that I'm recording this. So instead I'm sharing what we've done in the past and some ideas and what we intend to do in the very, very near future. So first is our front entry. This is something where we've had the most potted plants throughout our duration of living in this house is the front entry. It just looks really great when you have some pots there. We just have a simple slab front porch with a pillar on one side and a wall on the other. So it's a pretty plain uh, front porch that you see on a lot of typical suburban homes. So nothing too fancy. And it's really enhanced with just a tiny bit of decor. And so potted plants is one thing we've done. We we had some really nice ones that kind of looked a little silly because we, we meaning my boys and I, made them for Mother's Day for my wife. And so they had little footprints on them, which was super cute and adorable. And uh, we had those planted out front for quite a while. And recently, like this past year, we didn't even have them just because the maintenance required to water these planters because I did not convert them into self-watering planters. So it was a lot of work, but also the return was really nice. And so that's why we're talking about this today is how do you get the return without all the work, right? And so that's why we're going to be converting several planters into self-watering planters and using them throughout our landscape. The first place will be our front entry with those Christmas ferns I was talking about today. Next, window boxes. I'm considering putting window boxes under our windows. We haven't done it yet in our landscape. Uh, Quite a few of our neighbors do have them and they work really well. My mom used to have them and she enjoyed putting the plants in there each year. Uh, And again, it was some maintenance to do, right? So there is a trade-off, but window boxes look really nice. Our back patio, we've had some a few potted plants on our back patio area. <laughs> our back patio area is pretty rough to begin with. Uh, it, the deck needs major restoration. The patio has always been kind of overgrown, but throwing a few potted plants in there does really kind of spruce up the space, and I feel like it distracts from all the, uh, the other things that don't look as good, so it helps uh, make the space look a little bit nicer. Um, and the last thing, which I already kind of mentioned, is we use a lot of potted plants around Mother's Day. So adding uh, a breath of fresh flowers 
into the mid-spring season when there's not too many flowers in the landscape. Uh, it's just kind of fun. It's something fun that the boys like to do is bringing flowers home for their mom putting them in pots. Now they don't always last the whole season because inevitably uh, we forget to water them and you know that story. Um, but we've had had some beautiful pots, beautiful planters, a couple hanging ones, uh, a lot of standing ones that go on windowsills and that sort of thing. And they look really nice. So pretty limited use in our landscape now. That might not be the same in the future. And these suggestions I'm about to give are things we're also considering. So where can you put potted plants in your landscape besides the front entry, some window boxes, and the back patio? What else works, right? Well, this is not very common, but think about what you could do by your mailbox, especially, you know, if you have one of those street mailboxes is what I'm talking about specifically. So especially if you have a little garden space out by your mailbox, one or a couple little potted plants around your mailbox can really provide a better transition from that stick in the ground to the garden space around it. So a mailbox planter, if it's a self-watering planter, you know, you don't have to visit it every day or so like you do typical planters. Instead, you can go there maybe once to twice or once or once every two weeks and fill it back up and that's it and just let it enjoy itself. Especially if you have some very hardy plants that do well in that space. What about the driveway? So framing your driveway, uh, whether it's at the front of your driveway or along it or at the top at the towards the house, uh, framing your driveway with some planters could be a nice way to accent your space and to kind of provide a welcoming space. Again, you want to make sure your planters are appropriately scaled for your driveway. What about <laughs> the walkway going into your front of your house? So kind of transitioning along that entry space. So you got the driveway, likewise the walkway. And, and also what you could do is you could frame your garage with them. So, you know, you usually have with your garage a little pillar of brick, or I guess a column, a vertical space of brick on either side of your garage that frames your garage door, right? So putting potted plants right in front of that unused space can be a really nice spot to accent your home and, and to provide a welcoming space. And I chuckled there because I, I remembered the last thing I wanted to say is, the best spot for self-watering planters are, or any planters for that matter, are ones that are within reach of your hose, right? So the easier these things are to fill up, the more likely you will do it. Now, of course, you don't have to have them within your reach of your hose if you have a watering pot. But when you're talking about filling these reservoirs, they can take quite a bit of water. And so you want to make sure you can do that easily. And so Putting your self-watering planters within reach of a hose is a really huge advantage. Now, one thing I want to say about plants, I kind of forgot to say earlier, and then we're going to wrap up, is that there's a few types of plants that I really enjoy for planters. So I actually don't enjoy, like, you know, a lot of people throw those, um, <clears throat> your typical annuals into, uh, excuse me here, I'm, I'm losing my voice, guys. I, I just got over a cold. Uh, about a week or so ago, and whew, my voice is a little rough, so uh, it's it's failing on me here quickly. But what I want to say is that, um, so I do like a lot of um, very hardy plants just for their uh, structure that they provide, because generally speaking, your hardier plants kind of are those like rugged type plants that to me look really great in a landscape. <laughs> and so we're starting to see this with garden design along the west coast and the drier states, where we have a lot of 
xeriscaping or dry landscape plantings. So a lot of succulent type plants, a lot of cacti, very water, um, water healthy plants, right? Don't take a lot of water, very resistant to drought. And that's not just limited to cacti and succulents. and, And it's not just limited to the East coast and those dry states. And so there's a lot of other hardy plants that do really well in a potted setting. So specifically what I'm talking about here is one of my favorites is grasses. So grasses can look really beautiful, providing some vertical structure. And then you can you also have a lot of these like mounding and flowing grasses that look really beautiful as well. So um, two natives that would look really great in a potted setting. And there's our eastern bluebird coming to visit again. Um, I'm getting distracted, I know. So uh, two two really good-looking grasses that pop into my mind. One is is prairie drop seed, which is a grass that I really enjoy. It's beautiful, fine textured foliage, mounding habit, and these wonderful uh, flower stalks that come up in the later summer, early fall, <clears throat> provide a beautiful vertical structure to it as well. Another one is is little blue stem, and so it's a, a native prairie grass to the central U.S. And it also looks really great, and, and uh, it can also do really nice in a potted setting. And it has a lot of these um, colorful uh, grass stalks to them. So you get a lot of differences in hues of silvery foliage, foliage to bluish to kind of yellowish and, and green. So you get all these different structure and colors mixed together. Okay, so with the expense of my voice... I am going to wrap up today, and so I hope you've learned a lot about how to bring potted plants into your landscape in a way that's easy, in a way that's effective and beautiful. And again, that's what we talk about here on this show, right? So if you want to make your landscape easier, more effective, more beautiful, and you'd like a little help, consider checking out ely.how slash consulting, and you can find the options to consult with me there, and I will work with you one-on-one to make your landscape better and will connect digitally to really improve your space and your life by saving time in your landscape and bringing beauty to your landscape as well. Make sure you check out the show notes. You go over to ely.how slash episode 34, ely.how slash episode 34, and there you'll see all the links that I talked about today's show. I have a link to how to build a self-watering planter, uh, also links to other planters that you can find uh, and purchase yourself. So save the work, make it easy, make it beautiful. I have a board of planter ideas over on Pinterest. So I'm going to share that as well. Today's plant, Christmas fern, you can find a link to that to find out more about it. Also, don't forget to check out free stuff over at ely.how slash free. I have a bunch of free stuff there, tons of resource guides that you can download and learn how to save time in your landscape, increase beauty, and enjoy your life better. Don't forget, if you want to ask a question, you can always go over to ely.how slash pod. That's ely.how slash pod to the podcast page. And right at the top, there's a button to ask a question. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in today. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.